The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Money Monday on The Answer means a conversation with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040. Their website is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Physical location in Lewis Center, just a little bit north of the 23 and 270 interchange. So, Josh, let's start with that 8.6 year-over-year inflation number, higher than anticipated, and sent the markets into uh, big-time adjustment mode, big-time hit in the markets. Yeah, and I think, I guess, you know, good news, bad news for us, you know, really, uh, we've been talking about this for weeks, and it really wasn't a huge surprise, I don't think, for, for you and I, Bruce. But, um, you know, what it's caused is the Fed saying, yes, we're definitely going to have to continue to aggressively raise rates to combat inflation, and then the market reacts accordingly. And, you know, we have a huge correction, right, which has sent people into panic. As a matter of fact, if mm-hmm. I looked at, uh, you know, almost every main page, whether it's MSN or you know, Yahoo or whatever you're looking at as a landing page on online, it seems like every headline is negative. You know, this this is a terrible place to invest. This is a terrible place to invest. Are we going into bear territory? What is what is happening? And and uh, you know, I think that's going to throw some people into uh, into somewhat of an emotional tailspin. But it's important to remember what you're actually investing in and what your alternatives are. I mean, in this life of ours, we have choices to make, and our choices are we need to make our money work for us. We understand inherently that just simply holding cash is not making our money work for us. But we kind of view the market sometimes as this big, scary animal that isn't tied to anything, that just reacts irrationally. When in reality, we got to remember that we're buying underlying companies. Mm -hmm. We're buying companies that will continue year over year to become more profitable. And we own a share of that. It's not every year that a company does really, really well, but that does not mean that if I gave everybody listening an opportunity to own a share of a company like Coca-Cola, you wouldn't jump on it. And yet, in reality, we do own that, and we react. Uh, you know, I think Peter Lynch said it best when he said, if you want to be good at the market, it's about your stomach and your heart, not about your head. And we're feeling that right now. No doubt about it. And it is a time where a lot of people are looking at every single expense they have because, you know, their wages are not keeping up with inflation. We will discuss that and more. And we do it every Monday here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. He also hosts the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show, 4 p.m. Saturdays here on The Answer. So what do we do now, Josh? I mean, uh, I think everybody fears stock market crash. Those in our, you know, kind of our generation's thought that the Great Depression resulted from a stock market crash. But as you said earlier, a stock market doesn't just crash one day or the other. It's not like a Jenga game where somebody pulls one string and the whole thing comes down. It comes down for a reason. And there are always good companies, even when the stock market itself is struggling, you know, on a broad-based viewpoint. For sure. And and we have to understand (laughs) that you have to diversify as well. You know, if, if you are uh, panicking because you're 65 years old and you're about to retire and you have 100 percent of your money in stocks well that that was an error a long time ago that we need to figure out a way to fix and now it seems like somewhat damage control but if you're 40 years old and you don't plan on using this money for 20 or 30 years the idea right now would be how can i invest more if i have the financial wherewithal to dollar cost average into the market throughout these lows there's going to be tremendous buying opportunities. Warren Buffett came out the other day and said, I'm, I'm looking forward 
to a little bit more of a pullback and, and, you know, a little bit of mixed words. But uh, I've been looking for a buying opportunity for a long time. So we can look at it that way. But for those who are already getting close to retirement, they need to pull back the reins. There's a tremendous amount of other investments that provide guarantees safety of principle, et cetera, that still allow your money to work for you better than just simply leaving it in cash. Josh Pick is our guest. Money Monday, this segment, Aptus Wealth Management is Josh's firm. They're located in Lewis Center. You can reach out to them, 614-917-1040. Set up a free consultation. Learn about these kinds of issues and plan for your retirement. Be strategic. Be purposeful. They call it the Aptus Retirement Blueprint, and Josh hosts the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show, 4 p.m. Saturdays here on 98.9. And also, you can reach out to them on the web at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Is this a time for moving money around? I guess that would depend on when a person's age or where they are. Uh, and what would you tell somebody who they were in their 20s, they were paying off college debt, and they were maybe saving to buy a home? 30s, they have a home, they start raising a family. Now they're into their 40s, and they know, oh, my kids are, you know, five, six, seven years old, and I realize I'm going to have to plan for retirement. I've got to plan for college and all those kinds of things. But Boy, with gas at $5 a gallon, it seems like a really lousy time to now become purposeful and, and intentional in my savings. Uh, you always say the worst decision is to wait until the next day. So what would you tell somebody who's in that situation? They want to start saving. They want to start planning. But, boy, the prices are crushing them. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly wages aren't keeping up with the cost of living, and it feels like we're juggling swords every day. But at the same time, you know, we've mentioned several times that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, and it's just that, just it, as little as you can – even though it might seem insubstantial, you know, I can say $5 a month, $25 a month, whatever that number is, you need to start making steps in the right direction. And, you know, there are a bunch of different investment vehicles we had mentioned earlier, you know, from the stock market, which many people uh, kind of view as a big, scary animal, all the way down to cash, which is essentially earning nothing. But it's important to remember that dependent upon your goals, there are different uh, items in the middle that may be much more applicable to what you're trying to do. Perfect example right now, inflation is at eight point you know six or arguably higher. Mm-hmm. But you know, I uh, bonds through the government are paying about nine percent. So you can take ten thousand dollars of your money, go directly to federal, to the uh, the federal website and buy an I bond paying nine percent. Well, you know that's a heck of a lot better than whatever you know Huntington or Chase or Fifth Third is paying you at the bank. So I'll say. that's just one. Uh, option of many that can improve your situation. And whether that's saving $5 a month or repositioning, you can make a big, big difference uh, over time. Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So here's the thing that jumped out at me when we got the 8.6 year-over-year number. Highest since December 1981. And I was like, whoa, December 1981, wait a second, Ronald Reagan had been president for a year, and he's the guy that history credits with getting us out of the inflation of the Carter years. So my thought was, this is not a fixable problem in a month, two months, or three months, because Reagan, who supposedly fixed it, was in office a year and the inflation was still astronomical. So should people hunker down, and what would your recommendation be to them for this period of stealing themselves against how long this can continue? Yeah, well, hopefully everybody uh, did not let themselves get themselves get too over-leveraged and living too paycheck to paycheck. But let's be real, Bruce, and that is that some people just simply uh, are in a position where they're just there. They're living yeah. paycheck to paycheck. Yep. And, and that type of scenario 
the ultimate goal is always how can we reposition, how can we change things, how can we cut things to improve cash flow. Life is about cash flow, not net worth. And that's sometimes a difficult realization for people who are in retirement. They think about this big nest egg, but it's what the nest egg will do for me, not how big it is. And similarly, while we're working, you know, we have money coming in and money going out. Is there a way that we can reduce the amount of money going out? And I'm not necessarily talking about just tightening the belt and, uh, you know, eating tuna fish as opposed to steak. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about are there ways where we can manage our debt position, manage our payments, and lower those payments to improve our life. And hopefully, in an ideal world, even change or turn the tables to the point where we can start saving money. So there's a lot of talk, Josh, about the Fed and what they're going to do. They might react more aggressively. Uh, and then, you know, everything they do affects the market. We've talked about this trickle-down effect of everything. Like, what do you anticipate? Like, what's out there on the horizon in the next quarter that you see or that you're keeping your eye on over the next quarter? Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for some and a huge benefit to others. Uh, for example, let's just look at interest rates since we, you brought it up, and that is – as interest rates go up, does that make buying a home more difficult? Of course. Most people do not pay cash for homes, so your payment for a similar house will go up. And what will in turn happen there? Well, one of two things. Either home prices are going to have to lower to accommodate for people's inability to afford that home, or you're going to have to buy less of the house or just put that on hold. Well, that's a difficult scenario. However, uh, it is possible to foresee that you could go to a bank and earn CD rates up in the 4 5 6%, which we haven't seen in a long, long time. So for savers, the rise of interest rates can create pretty good opportunities. For spenders or borrowers, this could create a significant problem, particularly if you have any outstanding debt that's on a variable loan. So I would be very cautious about that and seriously consider locking it in if you plan on holding it for the long term. Very good advice, as always, from Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We do it every Monday at 1230. Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, 614-917-1040. Josh, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Bruce. Well, if you thought the damage from the 8.6 year-over-year inflationary rise announced Friday burned itself through the stock market on Friday, uh, you are wrong. Uh, This morning, uh, the Dow fell over 2.5%, the S&P by 3.5%, the NASDAQ by 4%. Markets all over the world are tumbling, and it's all related to inflation and to the anxiety that that introduces. You're like me, I'm sure. You've thought about Do we really need to make that trip? I mean, it costs us this much in gas. I need to stop at the store. Maybe instead of going now, I'll wait a day, two, three, when I'm going to be in that neighborhood anyway, and I'll do all of my errands in that particular area of town at once so I can save the gas. If you're a big company and you need to have access to low-interest money, to expand your business, well, now interest rates are going up because the Fed is trying to reduce the amount of money in the money supply, and you're getting nervous as a company. See, we all have to make decisions. We make them as our family finances dictate, and for big companies, they make them as their corporate finances dictate. And when they make them on a big level, at the corporate level, then investors look at those companies and they think, ah, the signal they're sending out is not a positive signal. 
Maybe I need to pull back too. Maybe I need to sell. And the problem with this is that fear drives decisions that are not prudent decisions. They're panic-based decisions. And so we get an overreaction to a data point like the election number, or like the inflation number, rather. And while the inflation number is really, really bad, don't get me wrong, sometimes the trickle-down effects of that number can be even worse than the inflation would call for the adjustment to be. So it's a rocky time. It is an uncertain time. It is a time that we have not experienced in this country for a generation. I was a young kid when mortgage rates were in the teens, and I'm talking about the high teens. First house I ever bought, the inf- the, the interest rate was 10%, 1987, 10%. And that was below market. I bought it from a realtor who owned the home he had been renting it, and he carried my loan at 10% in 1987. So we've talked about this inflationary period is the worst since the early 1980s. 1987 was not the early 1980s, and still, by 1987, the interest rates had come down from 16, 17, 18 to 10%. So this is not, even though the government portrays it that way, is a problem like, well, if we just pass this bill, or if we just did this, or we just, we'll fix it. No. These kinds of problems take a long time to manifest themselves, And once manifested, they take even longer to cure. So we are in this spiral for quite some time. We are in this spiral because of Joe Biden and his policies. And he will be around for at least two and a half more years. And then it will take the person who hopefully inherits this issue from him in 2024 several years to fix it. So just be aware of that. And don't be caught or hoodwinked by someone who says, oh, you know, we just, if we just, once we win the midterms, everything will be fine. No, no, it's going to take longer than that. Now, I've been leafing through this official manual from Nationwide Children's Hospital about how to care for LGBTQ plus patients and families in pediatric settings. And we're in Pride Month. And we are supposed to, as I've said before, celebrate the LGBTQ plus movement. And we are told repeatedly that if we don't affirm it, if we don't celebrate it, and if we don't allow our children to be indoctrinated in it, well, then the people who are immersed in it, and I have, a, I have termed them the same as people who are trapped as victims In the human trafficking movement, they are victims. They are gripped by a false ideology that they are not the sex they were born, that they were not intended to find someone of the opposite sex and spend their life with them being fruitful and multiplying. That if you term anyone immersed in the LGBTQ plus lifestyle that particularly on the transgender side, it is not a mental illness. Not a mental illness. No, it's not a mental illness. It used to be referred to as mental illness. Now, no, it's not a mental illness. Gender dysphoria is not a mental illness. So I'm reading through this manual, and the more I read through this manual of how hospital staff and doctors at Nationwide Children's are supposed to deal with people, 
it reads like a manual that you would write for someone relating to someone who has a mental illness and you must be exceedingly careful not to push them over the edge and precipitate a dramatic event in their life. I'll just read it to you. You tell me. The decision to disclose information about a child's gender identity or sexual orientation to others is the choice of the child. The child, not the parents, the child. Hospital staff should be cautious to not, in all bold print, out any individual without their consent, as this may present a serious safety risk to the child. And then it says here, Tips to determine if a question is appropriate of an LGBTQ plus patient. Would you ask a cisgender person the same question? Now, I would think that if I take my child to Nationwide Children's Hospital, that I would expect, and I would have a reasonable expectation, that the degree of care would be the same for every child in that hospital that they will all be treated the same, that there would not be two rules, that there would not be two different protocols, that they would prioritize the health, safety, and well-being of every single child in that hospital at that particular time. But that is not what this manual says. This manual clearly says that we have special rules and special language and special actions and determinations for people who are LGBTQ+. So if As I've heard over years and years and years and years, we're just like you. We're just like you. We're just like you. We just have a different sexual orientation. Then why do I need like a 25-page manual here cautioning doctors and caregivers on how to relate to you? And if I do it wrong, it could cause, and I quote, a serious safety risk to the child. See, that seems like a manual you would write to someone dealing with people who are mentally ill. If calling someone by the wrong pronoun could drive them to self-harm or self-suicide, that does not seem like a stable individual to me and does not seem like a way to treat that person the most effectively by affirming them in their mental delusion. And so it also outlines treatments on chest binding and tucking genitals and it says don't do it for more than eight consecutive hours well if the transgender lifestyle is not harmful then why would you have to limit it to just several hours a day